What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had a great week so far. There has been a lot going on this week, that's for sure. Uh, But we're certainly, certainly glad that we get a chance to come to you and hang out with you and chat wrestling. That's why we're here. So first and foremost, thanks to all of you who continue to support all things connected to The Faction. Whether you're following us on the socials, at The Faction Show, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you're subscribed to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you're joining us, thank you so much. It is a privilege and honor to be able to chat wrestling with you. That's what we do. Do me a favor. Share what we're doing with some others. It will absolutely be an incredible moment. As you know, wrestling fans, we know at least one or two or five other people that we talk shop with. So share this with them and uh, let's expand the reach and range of the conversation. Okay, so a couple of quick things here on the show before we get to the meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about. First and foremost, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw took place at the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee, and if you're following us on the socials, you know that our own Brandon Clack was in the building, so we pulled off the trifecta. I don't think this has ever happened before, where Pro wrestling has been in three cities that we've been connected to in the same seven-day period. So, of course, last Wednesday, Dynamite and Rampage were here in Atlanta. Friday, SmackDown was in San Antonio. Monday, Raw was in Memphis, and all three of us were able to attend. So that's pretty awesome. So hopefully you're following us on the socials. You saw the stories. You saw the cool footage that we've been able to share with you. Shout out if you saw Brandon Clack, because of course Clack was on the front row front and center with his lovely wife, one of the first ladies of the faction, of course, Lady Christabel. Just cool, cool stuff, and I hope you got a chance to see it. If you didn't go back and watch Raw, you'll definitely be able to see him and her as well, particularly at the end of the Becky Lynch-Liv Morgan match when she jumps up at the end of the match. It's pretty cool to see, that's for sure. So speaking of Raw, this week's episode of Monday Night Raw brought in 1.599 million viewers, which is down from last week's 1.678 million viewers. Now, let's put this into perspective. In terms of the key demographic, which is 18 to 49, uh, the average rating was 0.35, which is down from last week's 0.45 rating. So, it's the lowest key demo rating ever in the history of Monday Night Raw, and it's the ninth lowest total viewership for the show in history. It's kind of unfortunate because the show started off, of course, with a massive cage match and ended with a women's title match that I have to say, I thought they did an amazing job in building Liv Morgan to getting us to possibly believe that she could actually pull off the upset. Certainly one of the biggest nights in Liv Morgan's career. But with all of that said, It's still really wild to see these ratings for Monday Night Raw. Now, with that said, I do want to say this. And as I had this thought, it kind of put some things into perspective. Ratings are one thing, but we also have to remember that people are consuming sports 
and pro wrestling differently than they were in the Attitude Era and beyond. And one of the reasons why is the massive on-demand component. So I know that there are people who are watching what's happening on Raw with the snippets that happen on YouTube. People are watching on demand. I know for me, sometimes I watch the show live. Sometimes I watch it on DVR. So you have all of those things to consider when factoring those ratings. Now, I'm not saying that the numbers aren't cause for concern, but I am saying that they may not tell the whole picture when it comes to how many people are really viewing Raw or SmackDown or any of WWE's programming. So with that said, I'm intrigued to see what your thoughts are on Monday Night Raw and are you feeling what everybody else has been feeling relative to these numbers? Are you amongst the folks who watch Monday Night Raw live or do you catch snippets of it throughout the week on YouTube or Twitter or do you DVR it and watch it at a later point? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. All right, with that said, I want to spend quite a bit of time talking about NXT and what is happening in NXT. So earlier this year, we saw NXT migrate to this new platform of NXT 2.0, and it became very, very clear from the outset that this move to NXT 2.0, as told to us by Nick Khan, was designed to focus on younger superstars and people who were trying to go through the pipeline to get into Raw or SmackDown. Literally in one fell swoop, NXT went from WWE's third brand to becoming WWE's developmental brand once again. And I'll be careful not to spend too much time talking about NXT in 2021 because I am going to focus on that when we get to our year in review episodes which will begin next week and part of the reason we're beginning them next week is because there's still one big pay-per-view left on the calendar for 2021 and that is Ring of Honor's final battle which looks to be literally their final battle happening this weekend. But what I do want to talk about are two major names who it seems as though are leaving NXT. We'll talk about that when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. 
the first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Forward a few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's gonna be mine, COVID. <laughs> I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a them and there's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. Join us as we ring in the holidays with SHW 34, Friday, December 10th at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. Owen Knight, your new SHW champion. Owen Knight defends his Southern Honor Championship against number one contender, AC Mack. TechX, the two-time SHW Tag Team Champions. Technical Excellence defends their tag team title as they do battle with the infantry. Logan Chase puts his career on the line as All-Star Special takes on the approved. You've got to be kidding me. Holy cow. The people's captain, Gunnar Miller, goes one-on-one -on -one with the priest of punishment, Judas. And former tag team partners collide as Jordan Kingsley faces off against Kevin Ryan. This is insane what we're seeing right now. Plus, Joe Black, the heathen cruel, Cyrus the Destroyer, and more. Tickets on sale starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7. Bell time at 8. You don't want to miss this show. SHW, this is our wrestling. All right, so if you've been watching and you've been paying attention to the tea leaves, you know a few things have happened. Of course, at NXT War Games, we saw Johnny Gargano in what appeared to be his final NXT match inside of War Games. He came out to his old DIY music with a lot of nostalgia happening with him, of course, teaming with Tommaso Ciampa. We saw NXT Black and Gold lose to NXT 2.0, which felt more symbolic than it did anything else. Then we see Kyle O'Reilly in a cage match last night against Von Wagner, which we all thought he would have won. And if he wasn't heading out of the door, he probably would have won, but he didn't. Von Wagner wins. Von Wagner gets the push. And so I want to spend some time talking about Johnny wrestling, Johnny takeover, Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly. I'm going to start with Kyle O'Reilly. So for all of the talk that had been going on about Johnny Gargano's contract, most of us seemingly forgot about Kyle O'Reilly's contract, which ends this week. And so the question would become, what would become of Kyle O'Reilly? Kyle O'Reilly, one-fourth of the Undisputed Era, a three-time tag team champion in NXT, certainly as part of the Undisputed Era, responsible for the massive boom of NXT and their boom. You kind of have to do boom with the, yeah, with the thumb and the, yeah, boom, right. So the whole Undisputed Era situation was amazing for Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly coming into this year ends up in a feud with Adam Cole. And let me just say this. It wasn't clear to me coming into 2021 why we would see the breakup of the Undisputed Era. They had won Tag Team of the Year probably the last three or four consecutive years. They've dominated the NXT Awards. Why on earth would we have the breakup 
of the undisputed era. Well, it has become abundantly clear to me now as three of the four of them, their contracts expired in 2021. So perhaps it was some futuristic thinking, long-term planning to not just split up the undisputed era randomly, but because these guys would no longer be in NXT, which is just kind of amazing when you consider the fact that, of course, Adam Cole left, Bobby Fish was released, and now we get Kyle O'Reilly leaving at the end of his contract this week. I think Kyle O'Reilly was a huge, huge contributor to all things NXT and to what was the direction of NXT being recognized as its own legitimate third brand. Nothing about Kyle O'Reilly is developmental. Nothing about the Undisputed Era was developmental. And you could not have attracted those guys to NXT if NXT was developmental. Remember, Kyle O'Reilly is a former Ring of Honor world champion, much like Adam Cole, baby. Also, he's a former Ring of Honor world tag champion, and he's a former IWGP tag team champion. So, Certainly his resume is nothing close to developmental and what he brought to NXT was the establishment of this brand that was not developmental but that it was its own third extension of the WWE product. It was something that wrestling fans absolutely adored because when he was involved and the Undisputed Era was involved something special was going to happen. We saw the feud earlier this year with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole which was a significant feud. It was the feud that would usher Adam Cole out of NXT and was designed, of course, to help put the rub on Kyle O'Reilly and his solo career in NXT, though I don't think his solo career really ever took off like it could have, and I don't think that's Kyle O'Reilly's fault. I think that has a lot to do with the ever-changing landscape of NXT, how shortly after Adam Cole leaves, NXT now becomes NXT 2.0, a place where, honestly, your Kyle O'Reilly's, your Johnny Gargano's, your Tommaso Ciampa's, your Bobby Fish's, your Adam Cole's, all of the black and gold really isn't welcome anymore because of the new 2.0 situation. So... I am sad to see Kyle O'Reilly go because Kyle O'Reilly going represents another nail in what was the black and gold era of NXT. Now, him leaving at the same time as Johnny Gargano and as the same time as Beth Phoenix is all significant. Beth Phoenix represented legitimacy at the commentary booth and a female perspective. She's a Hall of Famer outside of Jim Ross. She was the only other Hall of Famer to really sit as a regular on commentary in NXT. She's done incredible things. Her resume speaks for itself. And what she has done in this business has been incredible. For her to make the decision to let Sunday night be her final opportunity in NXT said volumes. Yes, she's going to go spend some time at home, but I will tell you this, you're crazy, and I do mean crazy, if you think all of these NXT departures are coincidental. I found myself thinking today about Samoa Joe, 
I know we haven't mentioned that name in quite some time, but Samoa Joe relinquished the NXT championship amongst the announcement of NXT 2.0. And right when he was scheduled to perhaps defend it or show up on NXT television, he relinquished the title. And now all of a sudden we have to have a new champion and we've not seen or heard from Samoa Joe since. What do you think that means? Could he be sitting home just kind of letting his NXT contract run out since he wasn't actually signed to WWE? I I don't know. But I'm saying something is in the water, as Carrie Underwood would say. And so, yeah, Beth Phoenix going is a big deal to me because it also doesn't just represent the old guard leaving. But I think, considering that they don't have a replacement for her, it also cements kind of the closing of the door of WWE's commitment to have women in the commentary booth. Note this, there's no other place in WWE where a woman is in the commentary booth. It started, of course, with Renee Young being the first female as a commentator for Monday Night Raw. After she was gone, nobody came to replace her. Then, of course, you had Beth Phoenix in NXT, who I thought was amazing, did an incredible job. And now she's gone and there's not been talk of a replacement for her. So there's a lot of things that are happening with this NXT situation. Last but not least, Johnny Gargano, the first triple crown winner in NXT history, the first person to win the NXT Tag Team Championship, the NXT North American Championship and the NXT Championship in his tenure. Nobody else has done that. Who else has been the heart and soul of NXT other than Johnny Gargano? Johnny Gargano is that guy. He's consistently given us the best matches in NXT history on more takeovers than anybody else in NXT history. What can you say that hasn't already been said about Johnny Gargano? And think about the ways in which he transformed himself, whether it was being part of DIY, being a singles competitor, ultimately battling, of course, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, several others. Then on top of that, he ends up with this whole thing of the way leading his own faction. The faction, of course, that included his wife. It included Austin Theory, who is now on Raw. It included Indy Hartwell. Like they had a really special thing happening. And so I think it speaks to the environment of NXT for Johnny Gargano to choose not to resign because he obviously had the option, but he didn't. And he's leaving with a very clear understanding. And he said something in the promo last night that I thought was just amazing. And that is, you'll never lose when you bet on yourself. And him choosing to bet on himself could mean a number of things. It could mean he shows up in AEW. It could mean he shows up on Impact. It could mean he shows up in Japan or perhaps on some indie situation. Or it could mean he's going to go and be a dad. He could do all of the above. The reality of it is the best run of his career came in NXT. And so with Johnny Gargano, the heart and soul of NXT, now gone. Kyle O'Reilly, now gone. Beth Phoenix at the commentary booth, now gone. It's official. The black and gold era is over. And I don't like pronouncing that. I wanted to have hope 
for NXT 2.0. I wanted to really believe in what could happen. Now, let me just say this, and, and I'm going to touch this and then talk some more about it next week when we get into our year in review. I'm not fully ready to throw NXT 2.0 away. I'm not ready to do that because what NXT 2.0 is looking to do is build new stars. But it is the abrupt shift from NXT Black and Gold recognized as a third brand to treating and handling and becoming a developmental brand that is alarming. That is frightening. There was no grace period. There was no transition period. It just was. And we'll have to talk about at some point what that really means for NXT because, of course, it is NXT as a third brand that got NXT to cable television where before they were just hanging on Hulu before the WWE Network showed up. So now the question is, with a product that is supposed to be skewing younger, but the numbers and the ratings are saying it's skewing older, what will happen? I don't know. But I think it is safe to say for people like me who wanted to hold out hope that perhaps NXT Black and Gold could coexist with NXT 2.0, the truth of it is, it can't. It'll be just a matter of time before Braun Breaker becomes the NXT champion. Matter of fact, it'll likely happen at the New Year's Evil situation that's going to happen. And then it seems like a matter of time before Ciampa is gone. All of the remnants of NXT black and gold that we once loved will be disappearing. And I don't like it. It is an era that is gone. And once we get to the year in review, we'll have to talk about that because it's one of the things coming into 2021 that I didn't see happening. But one thing is for sure. I'm certain we've not seen the last of Kyle O'Reilly or the last of Johnny Gargano. And I don't know if you noticed, but during war games... When Von Wagner turned on Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly beat him up and then briefly showed us the Undisputed Era sign, which makes me wonder, will he head to AEW to join Adam Cole and Bobby Fish? Could we see a reunion of the Undisputed Era in AEW? Wow, wow, wow. Anyway, I want to get your thoughts on Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly. We've got a post up right now about Johnny Gargano wanting to know what your favorite moments of his were uh, from his NXT tenure. So let us know that on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure to check out, of course, Dynamite tonight on AEW. We've got, of course, SmackDown happening this Friday. Also this Friday night, we've got the final show for SHW for 2021. Super excited about SHW 34. Hope you can make it out to the action building where I know it's going to be an absolutely incredible time. And then, of course, this weekend, the final battle for Ring of Honor. Will Jonathan Gresham walk out of Ring of Honor as the new Ring of Honor world champion? And what does that even mean? We'll talk about all of that in the future for sure. All right, we got to get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing Wednesday. And representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Salute my people, here we go Salute my people